So, um, that's the raw material that we're going to work with. That's, that's the raw material. That's the basic stuff of the breathing. And uh, that's the beginning. It's the basis, the baseline, the basic foundation for which the experience of breath meditation is built, arises out of. And um, so it helps, I think, to have lots of familiarity with the raw material, with the basic kind of experience of breathing. You might have all kinds of judgments and commentary about the value of what we did or something. And, and maybe you're used to doing breath meditation in different kinds of ways. And, but regardless, this is the this is the base. The, I think I think of this as the foundation, the basic experience of where in your body you feel the experience of breathing. And then there's a range of sensations, ways you experience it. There's movement that you can experience in the body. There's experiences of um, softness and hardness that you experience different places place of the body. Maybe in the belly you can feel at times softness. Maybe in the back, uh, smaller the back, maybe there's more feeling of hardness as you feel the movement. Um, there's uh, experiences of tension, a variety of types of pressure, tautness. There can be experiences of um, weight, lightness and heaviness in connection to the breathing. There can be tightness and looseness. There can be pulling and pushing. There can be a um, sense of... Um, uh, the movement can be smooth, continuous. The movement can be step-like, little, small little steps as you breathe in, perhaps. Breathe in or, or it can be jerking. It can be uh, smooth and then jerking. It could be um, you know, many different things. There can be temperature connected to it, warmth and coolness connected to breathing. Um, there can be a sense of um, you know, stretching. Um, there can be a sense of contact with your clothes. There's many different things you can experience. And that's the, you know, if you're in touch with those things, you're in touch with the kind of the fundamentals, the basic, the direct experience. As opposed to um, the ideas you have about the breathing. And some people connect more to the idea of breathing than the actual experience of breathing. And one of the ways to do that is through um, visualization. Some people will visualize their breath. And, um, and they kind of somehow visualize maybe... Uh, I knew one person who visualized um, an eagle. And it was kind of the breath was the wings, you know, flapping, big wings soaring and flapping. And they are pretty concentrated. But it wasn't the breath, it was an image of the breath that she was concocting, making up, that kind of connected to the breathing. Um, Or, you know, an image that I like to use when I teach, sometimes that of waves, you know, the waves washing, you know, back and forth across the shore. So the experience of breathing, like waves washing back and forth across the shore of the body. So it's kind of an image. But if you get too caught up in the image, image, then you lose touch with the actual sensations, the physical experience. So the, it's a physical experience, the sensations being in your body, which is really the basic raw material that we're working with. So when the discourse says to become aware of um, when you're breathing a long, when you're breathing in a long breath, know that you're breathing in a long, a long breath. When, you, when you're breathing out a short breath, know you're breathing out a short breath. Those kind of basic things. Uh, I take it to mean just the whole familiarity, and to really get to know the experience of breathing as much as you possibly can be able to recognize what it is as it is. In the process of doing that, one of the advantages you might have 
is becoming aware of all the extra stuff you add to that. It's not basic. It's not the simple the facts by themselves. It could be um, you have judgments about it. This is good. This is bad. I'm in California. I'm supposed to have a long, deep breath in California. And this is not cool, you know, Eslan breath, you know, something. And um, so there's judgments about the kind of breathing you have. Um, there could be uh, judgments about yourself and your capacity. Oh, you know, this is not so good. I can't really do this. I'm not good enough for this. I'm, you know, this is hard for me. This is a struggle. There might be judgments that kind of almost seem embedded in the breathing itself. Like the breathing is labored and feels, oh, everything's so hard. It's so hard to breathe in. You can feel that it's, oh, it's so hard. Or something. There's all this extra stuff we add. And one of the very powerful things about mindfulness practice is notice all the things that are extra. Question them. And realize maybe most of them are not needed. And drop all the ones that are not needed. And be able to experience something free of your judgments, free of your commentary. Just as it is. So this beginning stage of becoming aware of the, you know, the basic experience of breathing is not only the physical experience of long, short, you know, deep, shallow, fast, slow, pressure, release of pressure, and all these different things you can be aware of, but it's also, what do we add this extra? And can we come back to the simplicity? Can we come back and we find ourselves more and more simple with the experience of breathing by letting go of all things which are extra? Everything's extra. Because the discourse says nothing extra. It says, it says, when you're breathing in a long breath, know you're breathing in a long breath. It doesn't say, when you're breathing in a long breath, know you're breathing in a long breath, and judge the heck out of that. <laughs> and make a case for why this uh, can define who you are as a human being. <laughs> you know, I'm this time, you know, I'm the, um, just, you know, just real simple. Don't, just don't, don't use it to, to, to define yourself, to judge yourself, to judge the experience, to judge the practice. Keep it that simple. Now, that, to be able to do those two things, to really be connected to the experience of breathing at a fundamental level, and then to be able to do it without the judgments, or at least to see the judgments as judgments, not be caught by them, creates a very, very good and important foundation for doing the other work of uh, breath meditation, mindfulness with breathing. So, if the better you can do this beginning part, the stronger foundation you have. The less you do this, the more you're in a hurry to get on to the profound experiences of the stage 16. <laughs> the, the less of a foundation you have for what you're about to do. Does that make sense? So, um, I thought we could take about 10 minutes before we stop for lunch and for, to give you a chance to report a little bit about uh, what you might have discovered or learned about your breathing or yourself. Uh, this morning in these exercises. Um, what's very typical for me is to um, start off pretty much in my body, feeling the breath, whatever the sensation is, but drifting off eventually to this kind of virtual body. I mean, I, I kind of get this... I'm not here breathing anymore, and then it starts to get maybe a little sleepy, a little dreamy, and I just kind of go off. And then it, it's so familiar and it's so common. I don't know that there's any solution other than typically what I do when I got too far off is open my eyes for a little bit, and all of a sudden, oh, I'm here, I'm breathing, and then it's back to a more basic sensation without all the complicated stuff. Yeah, so, so I mean, you you might spend a little bit of time both in meditation and outside 
trying to evaluate or explore what might be going on. What are the conditions, causing conditions to let that kind of drifting, sleepy kind of state come in? So, for example, it's helpful to know if you're sleep deprived. And, uh, and then we know the remedy. You know, maybe you need sleep more than meditation. And so you might explore that. Uh, it could be that there's some kind of attitude built in. Something goes on. Maybe you get too complacent at a certain point in your meditation. Or perhaps you have a history of comforting yourself with uh, kind of a soporific fantasy, kind of going out, checking out, you know, so this coming into play. It could be that you, um, um, you're just getting, you know, just getting too calm, more than it's useful. It could be that um, uh, you, um, you know, there's some kind of um, uh, attitude that comes, a judgment that comes into play. You know, this is too hard, this is going to be hard, this, you know, or something, you know. And so you can explore what's going on here, what are the causes and conditions for it. And there's something, that you, there's something appropriate that you can adjust and change. Can you get more sleep? Can you um, try not to be complacent? Um, is there some kind of uh, beliefs that come into play? So you might, at the very first indication that you're, you're getting familiar with this, try to see if you can notice that first indication, the first clue that you're going to start going in that direction. And then, as soon as you notice it, that first clue, then kind of look back or look around, see, is there some attitude, some belief, some idea which has come into play, some mood, some emotions come into play that's connected to this? And it might give you the clue. Sometimes a single idea, a single thought, like could be some, um, this is hard. And this is hard is not a neutral thought. It's like, oh, this is hard, and I think I just kind of try as much and just, you know. There's a variety of things that might be going on. I don't, know, I don't have no idea what it is for you. But it might be useful for you to explore. It kind of yes to everything you just said. It's kind of what's going on. It's, you know. Yeah, so, so the wiser the wiser, more familiar you can be about those things, uh, the more l- less they're going to be limiting you. The one thought there, and I know this is another real common thing, is that whatever the sensations are that I'm noticing in the body are not particularly interesting to me. So I think this is boring or this isn't really interesting, and then... You know, off I go, I'm drifting off to somewhere. So boredom is a judgment. There's nothing in the world which is inherently boring unless we make it that way. So it's an activity of the mind to make something boring. And so we have to take some responsibility for the fact that the thing is, what we're doing is not boring, it's an activity, it's a judgment going on. It might be a very subtle form of aversion operating as well with the boredom. So you might need to look at that, look at the nature of boredom, look at that. And I, I like to say that the, the breath is inherently interesting or very interesting. But part of, that, part of the reason for that is not so necessarily that, you know, the expanding of the chest outward is interesting, but it's that intimate connection of attention with the breath that begins creating a wonderful feedback system, a wonderful, interesting um, um, mutuality uh, that, uh, that starts changing our inner state, starts changing what's going on, and, uh, and with time, there can be a lot of uh, sense of well, strong sense of well-being that arises connected to that experience of breathing. And so it's very interesting because, um, you know, it's like, um, um, you know, like having someone put their hand on your shoulder might not be interesting, might be boring, you know, wrong hand, too long or something. But um, turn that hand into a massage. And, it, you know, it's very interesting because it makes us feel good, it has a sense of well-being that kind of spread throughout the body. So the same thing as when the attention really connects well with the experience of breathing, there's a reciprocal relationship that goes on there. It's not a neutral thing. Um, and so 
uh, some of you probably have the experience that your breath actually quiets down, calms down as you bring your focus on it. Being focused, you know, try not to interfere with your breathing, let it be what it is, but you have very careful attention to it and the breath comes down anyway. It changes anyway, right? So that, that sense of the biofeedback system and the mutuality reciprocity um, that happens or the concentration of well-being that builds up as you stay connected, that is very interesting. The, some people find it very fascinating, the connection between their emotions and their breathing and their body and their breathing. That some people find it fascinating to notice how much tension, might be very subtle, but how much tension uh, is revealed as they kind of experience their, their, uh, more of their body breathing. And it's kind of interesting. So you might feel tension in your upper rib cage or your shoulder shoulder area. And so it gets a little more interesting. It's kind of like an internal massage. As you breathe in deep, as you breathe in, you can feel that the upper reaches of the in-breath, you can feel you're pushing or you're activating that sense of tension and that holding in your shoulders. And so, oh, that's interesting. Don't judge it. You don't try to push it away or make it different, but you can kind of like a massage. Oh, rhythm, you, you kind of feel it. Then you exhale and little softening. Next inhale, you feel it. And that's interesting because it's a massage. So there's a variety of things that can make it interesting. And uh, if you get more engaged and involved in it. That makes sense? And um, it's very important with breath meditation to understand that one of the first qualities, qualities of character that you're developing is patience. Patience, and it, uh, and um, you'll develop patience. You'll know when you're patient. You know when it's developed, and you know you need to develop it. If you don't have the patience yet, and you're impatient, then patience is one of the games you're developing. It'll take as long as it takes. Yes, please. If you can use the mic, that would be helpful, please. Practicing the breathing or um, experiencing what I'm experiencing, I have a feeling that my breathing is kind of a mirror to um, what mirror, I'm actually a mirror. A mirror, yeah. yeah, to what I'm experiencing in my life besides the breathing. I mean, in my day-to-day life. Yes. It's um, because sometimes I realize I trip when I like during my breathing scan or however you want to call it. And in the beginning, I. I got tangled in, um, like you said, the judgments or emotions or whatever. But the more I practice, the less I get tangled. And the faster I can catch myself and get back to my breathing like an anchor. And um, that I really like. And I realized in my day-to-day life, I tripped a lot too. And I had a hard time getting back to my, I mean, getting away from my emotional life or whatever. But... It goes along with what I'm experiencing, so I can catch myself in my life too, and that's a very nice thing as well. Beautiful. Does that make sense? Yeah. Beautiful. Great. And so, I mean, the the the, um, the more familiar and the more you make make a habit of experiencing your breathing, um, uh, uh, the more you can be aware of your breathing in daily life as well, and the the, the the more helpful it is. You'll learn a lot. I call mindfulness of breathing the great lubricator because it keeps you fluid, it keeps you uh, flowing. Uh, because you tend to, if you're aware of your breathing, it's much harder to freeze the breath and hold the breath. And um, and when you're aware of the breath, it, even if you don't try, just simply awareness of the breath 
oftentimes will help you relax the breathing. It just relax itself. And if it doesn't relax by itself, then if you're aware of it, sometimes you can relax it, you know, soften, soften your belly and breathe in your belly. It's really helpful. And uh, keep you from being tripped up. If you do get tripped up, help you get back on your feet again quickly. And even if I can, I can still accept it. And um, because at some point I will get back. Yeah. Great. Thank you. Maybe one more. I was struck by something you said um, about getting too calm. And um, I guess I, I equate calmness and relaxation together. And I don't, maybe they're not the same. I'm questioning that. And questioning, um, looking for the, you know, not looking for a state, but getting into a real calm place, like, you know, the, the peace, um, you know, very concentrated, calm place. Um, there's a paradox I, I'm hearing that you have to get very you know, sharp, as you said, and very sharp in terms of working at it to really pay attention to the breath, and then the calmness comes. I don't know. I'm confused. I don't about know if this that. helps. Uh, first, first issue of the you know has, to, has a little bit to do with uh, how we want to define these terms, but uh, calmness and relaxation. In some people's vocabulary are the same. Uh, sometimes calmness has more a quality of peacefulness, of peace, state of peace. And relaxation is more of a sense you feel that something is released. You know, it feels good, it feels relaxed because you're aware of the tension that's been released. It's that sense of contrast is still operating in the sense of being relaxed. Uh, some people, so it's whether it's synonymous or not, it's kind of you know, it's up to you your, in your experience. The other thing is, um, what was the other thing? I had an answer, but now it's gone. Um, well, the sharpness, oh, sharpness the, working, yes. the working hard at oh, yeah. it. The, no. I got it. So the, um, uh, you know, the human um, mind is an ecosystem with a lot of different species in it. And, and uh, they can op- be operating at the same time. It's not like only one thing is operating at one time. So um, there can be a relaxed or calm, a lot of calmness together with uh, energy. So, um, I mean, this may be a very unfortunate example, but it's given by the Buddha in the discourses of um, uh, someone who's, you know, some, some, some cultures, they carry things in their head in these big bowls, you know, and they balance on the heads, you know, backpacks, they balance on the head. And so this person's carrying um, a, uh, a big bowl, basket or some bowl of of you know, hot oil it's filled to the brim and they have to walk through a really busy marketplace with a person behind them with a sword who's going to chop off their head if they um, uh, if they spill any of the oil and um, <laughs> you know, not a very relaxing story I know maybe I should have made up something different but this but the idea is that uh, you know, if you're going to successfully get through the marketplace carrying this oil on your head, um, you have to be very attentive, but you have to be relaxed too. Uh, if, you're, if you're tense, it's not going to work. If you're too relaxed, it's not going to work. You have to have just the right balance. And um, so it's a matter of having that balance, but the balance is not a fixed point. Balance is, is in relationship to other things. So um, if there is, um, 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 there's no limit to how relaxed you can get 
if there's good energy at the same time. So there can be strong energy and a deep sense of, you know, all the muscles in the body get more and more relaxed, the mind gets very soft and spongy or whatever, but there's a really strong energy current going at the same time. Um, so it's a matter of having the balance of the two. And, uh, you know, a, 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 um, it's a kind of a, how do I say this? My, my impression is that, um, that um, without good energy, there's a limit to how far you can get relaxed. But if the energy is good, uh, you can take relaxations to its highest, greatest levels, deepest levels, <coughs> with full, fullest, the fullest potential. Um, so it's a little bit, it sounds like a paradox because you think if relaxed, there's supposed to be no energy in the system, just kind of like, you know, you're, you're a puddle on the floor. <laughs> but actually, there's this, there's, it's, um, a sense of vitality and aliveness. So the, 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 again, the, one of the examples is that of the flame, uh, a candle flame. That says not it's out of the wind, so there's no breeze or anything. And um, so the candle flame might be unmoving, completely unmoving, completely still. But there's a, a, it's pretty dynamic inside a candle flame. There's a lot of lots of energy there. So the mind is completely still, but it's still. It's, it's kind of it's kind of a dynamic as well um, and the dynamic quality that's most important is that sense of knowing make sense so anyway sleepiness and tiredness is an important issue to uh, overcome but because so many people associate meditation with relaxation some people push the relaxation factor too much some people don't emphasize it enough and uh, it's very important to be relaxed when you meditate. Um, but if you're, uh, but if you are pushing or kind of lingering or, you know, lulling yourself with oh, you know, with relaxation, every breath, kind of soothing yourself, then you'll probably fall asleep. Okay. Well, maybe one more. Okay. If, if my answer can be short. <laughs> Explain what I mean by good energy. Um, well, that's um, maybe a little bit hard to explain briefly, but um, <clears throat> the part of it is having a, a strong sense of vitality, that somehow that uh, you know, the whole system is energized, alert, alive, so the vitality is there, flowing. And some of it is having the ability to apply yourself, to have the ability to uh, make effort, to apply effort. So the energy is there to apply effort. So if you're going to direct your attention to the breathing, you have the energy to apply that effort and stay there with it. If there's not much energy in the system, then you don't have much energy to apply yourself. And so, you know, you apply yourself for a moment, but you know, you drift off pretty quickly. So some people who are sick would have more. Sometimes, if you're sick, you have less energy. Yeah, and uh, though sometimes uh, you can be sick and have less physical energy, but sometimes there can be a kind of mental energy that can be quite strong and beautiful at the same time. And uh, sometimes you see people who are dying. Uh, who some occasionally seem to have this like, real spark in their eyes. You see there's this wonderful inner, some, some kind of energy there, even though you know, they couldn't even lift their arm. There's, you know, something is vital. So there doesn't, physical energy and kind of mental energy doesn't necessarily be the one and the same.
So, let's take um, an hour for lunch.